the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Jesus said this to his disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts help us to live and love like you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you know that feeling that you get when the end of something hard is coming up and it's right there in sight and you know that something on the other side is better? It seems I've been talking to a lot of teachers lately. It seems like we have a lot of teachers in our congregation and I think that they know the feeling. Their creativity was shot. Their students are antsy. I know every single parent knows this feeling as well, right? They're sick of fighting with their kids to do the work, and they're tired of balancing all the Zoom schedules and all the deadlines. But most of all, maybe our students are feeling it. They're always ready for summer break, but this year, more than ever, they're sick of seeing faces over a computer and not in person. They just want to go play outside or get back to their video game. If there are distractions at school, the ones at home are even more tempting. Yep, everyone knows that feeling of working towards the light at the end of the tunnel. And all we need is just a glimpse of it to spark hope deep enough to carry us through. And that's the key, hope. Hope that keeps us going because we can see the good at the end. We're in our third week of our study on First Peter. During the last two weeks, Pastor Rhodes has walked us through what it means to be a living hope, and the idea of this living stone. The church is more than the four walls of this building. It's our very lives that we act as the church. The church is a light that reflects the light, Jesus Christ, in the world. Now today, in our reading that Hank so graciously read for us, we turn towards a fun subject, right? Suffering. It is hope that Peter says is possible for us today because of Jesus. Hope even in the midst of suffering, uncertainty, pain, or hard times. Peter reminds us to get ready because we know what the end looks like already. Jesus Christ, death, resurrection, and we are in the same boat as Jesus. 
when we first read this text for today, it seems to almost, though, be calling us to unrealistic standards, right? Have unity of spirit, sympathy, love for one another, a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse. Instead, repay with blessings. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be intimidated. It seems impossible when we really sit down and think about it. We might be able to understand the point of it, and we want to follow it, but when push comes to shove, is this really a livable life for us? Can we really be all of those things? We know in our head that Jesus was all of that and even more, right? But can we, can we really live and love like Jesus? Or do we even really want to? Jesus' life was filled with scorn, mockery, violence, misunderstanding, and a terrible death. But what if this text isn't trying to make us feel guilty because we can't live into this standard or try to drive us away from the beauty that is the Christian life? What if this text actually helps us lean deeper into our life in Christ? Because the truth is, we know that Jesus is the most complete revelation, right? The best picture that we have of God's love. And we all want to be that. We all seek to find ways that we can make love real, real in our own lives by what we do and by following our model, Jesus. Even if it's hard, because we know it's worth it. If we're going to figure out how we can live a life of love just as Jesus did, well, then we have to go back to the beginning. Now, not the beginning of time, but instead, like, our beginning, our personal beginning. Most of us were brought to the baptismal font as babies. That was the start of this process of growth, growing closer to living like Jesus. Through the waters of baptism, we are reminded that before anything else, before anything else, God loved us. What came first in our lives is this beautiful realization that it's God that loves us. God loves us, period. That is where we rest. That is where we find hope. And to be fair, God's love for us started long before we were actually born. God's love started from the beginning and was realized in the person of Jesus Christ through the life, death, and resurrection. God loves us. Sometimes we might not feel it, Sometimes we might choose to ignore it. But regardless of what we do, we started from a place of love. And our baptism acts as that foundation for our lives in Christ, our life as a Christian in this world. Baptism gives us the chance to look at our lives through a different lens, a lens of steadfast love, a lens of forgiveness, a lens of amazing 
grace. God sees us not as despicable human beings, but as a humanity worth sending Jesus Christ to show us the way of God's perfect love, to die for our sins, which is good news to me because we are all connected through God to a greater purpose in life. When we forget that foundation, when suffering and hard times and uncertainty and pain and fear come into play, we sometimes have self-pity, fear, and doubt. But when we remember our baptism as the foundational piece of our faith, it's more than a simple washing but instead something that connects us to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we begin to live out our lives in a new way with purpose. We live in love. We foster peace that surpasses all understanding. We grow closer to the ability to live like Jesus did. Even, even those hard things, remember, turning the other cheek, loving our enemy, loving those people who torment us, lifting up in prayer those who hope to tear us down. Instead of living in self-pity, fear, and doubt, we live in the confidence of God. It is our hope. Our lives act as a defense to the beauty, the power, and the depth of our great God. But here's the thing, it takes practice, it takes patience, it takes time to build this up inside of us. So what better time than now to begin to recenter, refocus our lives on our great God and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? When I was pregnant with Eliana, I loved going to prenatal yoga class twice a week. I wouldn't miss them. Now, it was completely out of my comfort zone because, y'all, if you know me, I'm not flexible at all, but it was good for me. It was good for my body, and it was good for my baby. The classes ended every single time with what they call shavasana, a time where we laid on our backs and we just relaxed. Sometimes it was guided to help us other times it was just pure silence. It took me about a good month to realize the beautiful benefit of this. The yoga instructor would conclude our time of shavasana by saying, remember this feeling of complete relaxation. You can come back to this anytime you need to. You can have this peace that you are in in the midst of labor, in the midst of bringing life into the world. I remember thinking, if you think that I'm going to be this relaxed in the midst of labor and delivery, you are crazy. But I kept going, and I kept practicing yoga, and I kept diving deeper into this time of shavasana. And this crazy thing happened. In the midst of the chaos of labor and delivery, the uncertainty of being a first-time mom, I was able to tap back into that place of peace, the place of deep breathing, of meditation, and my body would relax. It was amazing. 
Labor and delivery became one of the most beautiful times of connecting with God that I've ever had in my whole entire life. The pattern of Shavasana and returning to the peace that is part of our Christian life is what we should be practicing, what we should be recentering and focusing on all the time. Because when we walk in suffering, in pain, in uncertainty and fear, we fall back on our practices of refocusing and recentering our bodies and our lives on God's great love and goodness. But that does mean we have to practice first. So how do you, how do you recenter your body and refocus your life on God daily? Maybe it's through a devotional book. Maybe it's through being in God's wonderful creation. Maybe it's just sitting still and taking one single verse of scripture and breathing it in and out. Maybe it's through journaling gratitude. Maybe it's through doing, finding ways that you can serve your neighbor. And maybe you just need to find a new practice altogether. But the important thing is that you practice. You spend time with God daily so that when those times that are challenging come up in your life, you can fall back on peace, the love, the goodness of God that fills us up every single second. And little by little, the unrealistic standards of First Peter can become a way of you leaning into Jesus more than ever before. We, as Christians, can do hard things because we have a God who did the hardest thing for us. Amen.